Welcome to Reckoning. My name is Ingrid, and I'm starting this podcast to share open and honest discussions about our experiences with death. I'm hoping that as a culture, we can grow to talk about it without it being feared as a heavy, scary, and overwhelming topic. Let's talk about it more, get a little more comfortable with it, wrestle and wonder and ask questions. Let's reckon with it. We all have to deal with this aspect of life. We will lose everyone we know, and we ourselves will die. So how can we face this reality with eyes more open, with some grace, humility, understanding, and even appreciation? How can we embrace this aspect of being a human and use it as a way to grow, learn, and expand? The goal of this podcast is to turn toward these shared experiences, using our stories and collective wisdom to gain some courage and strength and skill to face it. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to and have these conversations with me. Thanks for being willing to reckon with the topic of death and dying. So I'm going to try something different here, which is that I'm going to introduce a new series within the podcast. Um, Don't worry, I'm still going to be doing interviews, and that will be the bulk of my episodes. But I also thought it would be neat to shake it up a little bit. And I want to do a few episodes where I talk about ways in which I see death showing up in our everyday lives and how it is woven into our reality. And so partly this is about normalizing and bringing attention to death in our everyday life, Um, but also just a space for me to share some of my musings and thoughts um, and conversations that I have or that I experience outside of a formal interview for the podcast. So Just in the past few weeks, I've had a number of really great conversations that I wasn't able to record in those moments, even though I wish I could have. Um, And so I thought I would just relay some of them here and share them with you, but just through my own voice and just through my own thoughts. So if you end up listening to this, definitely would love your feedback and would love to hear what you think. I don't want it to be just my voice droning on. And at the same time, I think this is going to provide a cool opportunity for me to bring in some new content um, and some new ideas for all of us to share and think about. Before I do that, I just want to make one disclaimer before diving into my thoughts and ideas, which is that many times in this podcast and in specifically this episode, I refer to culture or my culture And I just want to name that, you know, I'm coming from my own particular lens and experience and that um, a lot of my critiques might not apply to cultures and lenses and identities outside of my own positionality. 
And so I just wanted to name that, that like I'm, I'm happy to critique or provide my perspective about dominant culture and the culture that I'm a part of. But I just wanted to make that clear that by no means does this include all cultures. I'm, and so I, just to be specific, um, I'm a white woman, I'm able-bodied, I'm young, I am heterosexual, I'm cisgendered, I am neurotypical, and I'm middle class, and I'm educated, and I am a citizen of the United States, and I live in what is currently known as the United States, but that is on land that is traditionally occupied by the Chinook and Kalapuya and many other bands of tribal communities um, in what is currently the Portland area. And so I just say all of that um, to, to put it out there that when I say things like our culture or we or we're not doing this or things like that, that that is the lens and perspective that I'm coming from. And it is particularly the dominant culture of this time and place that I am critiquing. So just wanted to clarify that. So the first topic that I wanted to bring into this space, um, which may seem kind of obvious, um, is that Halloween, newsflash, Halloween is a death-related holiday. (laughs) And, um, you know, I want to say that because I think it's amazing the ways that we can just sort of get used to or habituate to a thing without really thinking about that. It's pretty amazing that we have death-related holidays, and um, those are common throughout the world, um, which I'll talk about in a bit. But um, So as I'm recording this, we just had Halloween a couple of days ago, and uh, the conversation that I wanted to share about and bring in was I was on a walk with a really dear friend, and we were just noticing all the yard decorations and, you know, noticing that they were, they're kind of grotesque, uh, really creepy, they're morbid, decorations of things that are really terrifying and like distasteful deaths like decapitations and zombies and really bloody and gory depictions of death. Um, And that's what we see in movies too around this time of year. So horror movies are super popular um, and this genre is kind of, in my mind, kind of strange, which is ironic. You'd think that as someone who's interested in death and dying, I would be fascinated. But I find it really strange that we like to watch people get dismembered and terrorized and hunted down by deranged killers. So I just find it interesting that it's acceptable that we depict death in this way in the media, um, and yet we struggle to name really personal experiences with death, um, or if someone we love and know gets diagnosed with a terminal illness, we're sort of like, this is private, this is hard, we don't want to really talk about it, 
Um, but we don't really mind making a multi-million dollar movie about people dying in a dramatic way. So I find that just to be kind of an interesting double standard, this morbid fascination on a broad level. But it that that fascination feels like an immaturity. It's like a cultural immaturity. It's sort of childish, kind of superficial. It's silly. It's over-dramatized. Like, and it's like we don't really have the vocabulary, so we're kind of play-acting around these topics. Um, so, But if it's a real or um, really personal interaction with death, then we kind of shut down. And, you know, and so I just, I bring this up because I think it's interesting that we have this, yeah, very widely celebrated holiday, but we're not necessarily really interested in the topic of death and dying in the everyday. You know, so we can dress our children up as vampires and creepy killers and ghosts. Uh, but then how often do we make time to sit down with these same children and chat with them about thoughts and feelings about death and dying or having a conversation about a family member or maybe a, a global or a national phenomenon of death? That feels way harder. And, and so we have this sort of unnatural, artificial, it's like not quite an acknowledgement, but it's like adjacent to an acknowledgement of death. So like I saw this really great meme on the internet where this person destroys a spider web in their house and the, and the spider's like, wow, you just ruined my home and you're killing my relatives. And then that same person puts up fake spider webs and fake spiders all over their house and the spider's like, wow. You know, so I just think, I think that's really great. It's funny. It's like we're the fake thing is okay, but the real thing is like, no, no, I don't want that. Get it away from me. Push it away. And I'm I'm not exempt from that. Like I I don't really want spiders in my house. We're all doing these things we need to do to survive and to keep living. We have survival instincts, and I think part of that is to push away anything that could kill us or, you know, like pushing away death is a part of that instinct. And yet, again, I just feel like there's this unripened or not fully developed capacity to acknowledge that death is a part of life, and it's something we're all going to experience. And I think it might just be different if there wasn't quite so much fear wrapped up in it. You know, so thinking about horror movies and yard decorations, there's so much focus on this fear portion. We want to imagine in intimate detail, like, the most horrible possible way to die. And we don't want that, and we're afraid of that, so let's, let's like you know, sort of stimulate the fear response as opposed to thinking about or portraying death as something that could be very natural and very intimate, maybe quiet or something that has a place or depiction of death as something that is a part of us and not something to be afraid of. And I, you know, I know that there are many, many traditions around the world, like I mentioned before, that are centered around honoring ancestors and thinking about death and loss in a more holistic and respectful way. So even Halloween, historically, my understanding is that it's based on All Saints Day, All Hallows Eve, or Samhain, which, as a side note, is S-A-M-H-A-I-N, and I know that looks like Samhain, but it's a Gaelic word, Samhain. So anyway, these uh, traditional holidays, um, you know, are rooted in connecting to ancestors, there's a saying that like the veil between the living and dead around this time is is thinner and so it's easier to communicate with spirits. Um, and so there's long, long standing traditions that, you know, Halloween is based off of. And 
I guess what I think is kind of interesting is that I, I personally think that Halloween is somewhat of this like warped version of those. An interesting specific example of that is, you know, witches are worked into this image of being like creepy and evil and spellbinding and, and, you know, terrifying as opposed to what they probably were, which was wise elders that were herb crafters, they were healers, they were spiritual guides that were well-respected in a community. And, you know, there's there are books and things depicting why this shift happened when Christianity evolved in Europe. Um, but anyway, I just think something like that is a, is a perfect example of how, you know, we have these traditions from many, many hundreds and thousands of years, and then it becomes warped or shifted or evolved into the current iteration of it. And another another tradition that's widely known that I think is a great example of a different relationship to death and dying that also happens around this time of year, so November 1st this year, is um, Dia de los Muertos, or Day of the Dead, which is a tradition rooted in Mexico. And, you know, what I understand is that some of the practices... Um, you know, involve going to a cemetery and decorating and cleaning up. And, and it's about commemorating the lives of people who've gone on um, and inviting them to come back into our lives. There's something fundamentally different about that approach. You know, it's not like tombs and, and the dead are scary. It's like we want them around, you know, we, we want these people to stay in our lives. Um, and I think there's so many other layers to the way these holidays can be practice, a practice of reverence, you know, time of year to put up photos and tell stories and share food and livelihood together. So I don't have too much more to say about that other than that I just kind of want to acknowledge that this, you know, we just had this big holiday and, you know, it's it's a death death related time of year. And I want to acknowledge that all of what I said can be kind of a very dry or serious critique um, I do also think it's fun. I, you know, I love getting dressed up. I love costumes and candy. And I think, I think there's, I don't, I'm not advocating for the cancel of Halloween by any means. Um, I also really delight in the fact that everyone's out in their neighborhoods. People are greeting their neighbors. Children are unafraid to knock on doors, you know, and the neighborhoods are brought to life. And so, yeah, I love the playfulness and the creativity and the costumery and, and liveliness, which I think is ironic, right? It's like a death, it's a death theme, a holiday, and then there's this liveliness to it. So, you know, and, you know, the lighting of candles and, and lights and things, I think, I think that's all wonderful. Um, so just kind of sitting with the complexity of the both and nature of my thoughts around Halloween. Um, and, you know, I just think it's a great opportunity to question a little bit, like what's behind these traditions? What's our, what's our like default cultural response to death? And I, I, you know, as you know, I think we can do better. I think half the point of this podcast is, um, you know, to create space for conversation, but I think underlying that and woven into it is this critique and commentary about how often we don't make space for earnest thought and conversation. And, you know, I think there's an importance in fun and, and, joy and silliness, but I think that we're often missing a critical element of earnestness and honesty. And I, you know, I think this, it's an opportunity lost to use this time to connect to ancestors or those that have come before us, which is strongly rooted in many traditions and many cultural practices. And I'm just an advocate for more of that to be around.
perfect segue into the next conversation and interaction with death that I had last week was at the Portland Art Museum. And they currently have an exhibit about Queen Nefertari in Egypt. And it was, I mean, it was beautiful and wonderful. And I haven't been to the art museum in a long time, which was really a delightful thing. And um, such a surprise and a joy for me to discover that so much of the exhibit was about death practices and death rituals of ancient Egyptians. So there were a lot of stone inscriptions and hieroglyphs, and there were these papyrus scrolls. And of course, they recreated a tomb and there were, you know, there was the sarcophagus and all of these things related to and central to death ritual. And so I think on one hand, it's kind of funny that you walk into an art museum expecting to see art, which I did, and it was all very beautiful. Um, and yeah, just to sort of wander into this display about death. And and so what's funny is that I think if you would ask most people visiting there, they would have said, oh, this is about Egyptians, or this is about Queen Nefertari, or this is about feminism, or this is about, you know, uh, an ancient and distant um, exotic, you know, culture. And maybe all of those things are true. But I also think it's funny that there is often this like distancing or this intellectualizing about um, death and dying. Or, you know, it's, um, it's maybe easy to go look at this exhibit and sort of talk and think about um, another culture's death practices, but still feel removed from a level of reflection or awareness about it in our own lives. One caveat I feel like that might be kind of interesting to think about is, you know, we're looking at all of these artifacts and these historical objects, and it makes me wonder if Egyptian culture really did have such a central relationship to death, or if it just happens to be that most of what remains is related to death and dying, and so that's what we see or that's what we, we assume to be the focus or the center of their culture, but so let's just for the sake of this conversation, assume the former. Well, let's just assume that Egyptian culture really did have a central relationship um, in their in their communities around death practices. You know, I do feel like they just have such a rich and vibrant relationship to death. And so depicted in these in these hieroglyphs and in these scrolls are like all the family members are involved in making offerings to these gods and goddesses and they are the gods and goddesses are specific to death and dying um, and then you know the tombs are obviously these like ornate and elaborate structures that are built specifically for um, the afterlife and there's like the book of the dead where people do readings and that's the you know the readings of these scripts are reported to bring back or bring to life all these objects in the tomb to protect the deceased person I guess I really admire the depth and the the dynamic storytelling and belief around death. And I'm going to talk about this a little bit later, but I feel like so often within my culture it's it feels less it feels less dynamic and it feels less dimensional, multidimensional. Instead it just sort of feels like this flat like they're gone and then they're gone, you know, and that's it. Even even for like beliefs in heaven or, or afterlifes, it just sort of feels like that's not something we have any interaction with. And so it just sort of, yeah, I, I have a friend who talked about like this idea of having relationship with folks even after they've died. Um, and I think that, yeah, there, there's a, 
a level or a dynamic of that that's missing within sort of predominant culture around here. And, and the other element about the Egyptian rituals that I really like is that I feel like there's just generally more of an awareness you know, it seems like something that maybe everyone within the community had this awareness of, of death and, um, and a relationship to those who have died or an awareness of one's own death. And so it just, it brings in again, like an opportunity for me to ask, like, how much am I engaging in, in ritual or practice? Um, how much am I building intentionality around honoring those that I've lost versus sort of an intellectual, like, yeah, that's a nice idea. Like I should have a relationship with that, but how much how much are we actually doing it? You know, and I think it's easy to just sort of absorb or regurgitate or go through the motions of whatever dominant culture we're a part of. So like an interesting question for me is like how much these ancient Egyptians truly and really authentically believed in these practices and how much were they just like, "Ah, oh, this is just kind of what you do." You know, that's it's just an assumption. Um, but I don't necessarily fully believe it, you know, that it'd be wonderful if I could interview like, um, an ancient Egyptian queen, um, for the podcast. I'll see if I can, um, arrange that for the next time. But, um, yeah, I just, I, I really think that, you know, ultimately it's up to each person and each individual to know within themselves how they feel about the practices that they engage in. It's an opportunity for us to do things with awareness or loving intention and you know no one ultimately really knows what death is like and what happens on the other side i i often feel like i'm straddling the line between two worlds of science which i studied and i find really important and it brings so much understanding to the world at the same time though science generally scoffs at things that are spiritual or religious or even the idea of spirits and ancestors but yeah, and so at the same time, I, I believe that and I value science and I honor these really human ancient practices um, that help us see and understand the world. Um, and I, I want to honor both and I want to practice both. And I, I guess going to the art museum and seeing this exhibit that has death deeply woven into it. And of course, death is not a monolith. Like it's not just an exhibit about death. It's also an exhibit about Egyptian culture and about royalty and about what it means to be a woman and art and creativity and you know all you know, all of that is woven in together. Yeah, I guess I just feel like I want death to be have a vitality to it rather than sort of this like half acknowledged taboo topic and and approaching that with with curiosity, you know, and learning and and keeping the door open for all sorts of possibilities out there. And that includes you know, the ways that we can relate to death and death practices. And so, yeah, I guess I just really appreciate that the art exhibit contained this element and provided yet an op- another opportunity to think about and and learn about ways that we can we can relate to that topic and re- and to engage with it. conversation that I wanted to bring into this space 
was a couple of weeks ago, I got the chance to go to Eagle Creek, which is a beautiful trail in the gorge just outside of Portland. And at the start of the trail, in the creek, just before it converges with the Columbia River, there were a bunch of salmon spawning. And once again, if I were able to interview them, it would be an amazing conversation um, and perfect, a perfect episode for the podcast. Um, but man, it was so beautiful and just an intimate thing to witness. And so most of you know that, you know, salmon are born in creeks and rivers, and then they swim out to sea and they spend their life in the sea. And then they have this incredible impulse just built into their bodies to return to where they were born and to lay their eggs there in that same creek or river. And that is their final act. And they die there. And I know, you know, we learned about it at school when we were kids, but it's been so long um, since I've actually physically watched them in the fall in a river. And it was just so wonderful to see. I mean, there were dozens of fish and they were building their reds or their little, um, it's like the spaces in the river bottom where they lay their eggs in the sediment. And they use their whole body to like dig and create this little dip in the silt. But, you know, really beautiful to, to watch this final act, um, which is an act of life, an act of creating the next generation and simultaneously following the movement of their ancestors. It's just such a beautiful movement, something that I feel is very touching and poetic. And this impulse to swim back to the place you were born and then to give birth to your children and then to die, I felt really moved by it. And so, and you know, at the same time, there's all these fish, you know, dozens of them, these huge fish, and they're decaying. Their bodies are literally falling apart. And there's a bunch of dead salmon and salmon bones, and their bodies are like falling apart. And, and you know, that becomes food for other fish and the eagles and the birds, and they become part of nutrients um, in the ecosystem and the soil for the trees. And that feels like this incredibly beautiful and symbolic gift or act of life-giving. Um, it's a gift to the whole ecosystem. And I just learned in a David Attenborough um, TV show that this is the largest transfer of nutrients on the globe. So all of these like, you know, fish that are out in the sea and they're eating things in the sea and, you know, they have all the seawater. And then they just essentially are these vehicles that deliver all these nutrients to the forests inland, which is also a beautiful image of this, you know, this huge ocean somehow being brought to these forests in, you know, in the land. So, um, yeah, really incredible. And, you know, it had me thinking about death in a different way. I think so often in the culture that I live in, there is a huge disconnect between ourselves as human beings and as part of the rest of nature or the rest of an ecosystem. Like, I, I feel like I don't really participate or belong in the ecosystem, even though that's not true. And we're all inherently part of it. You know, living in a house and electricity and and being in a car and not so connected to the seasons and the elements and connected to other species makes me feel pretty separate from some of that. And so I say that because I think one consequence of that is that dying kind of just feels like an end. Like I was saying a little bit before about not having a vivid or vibrant death practice it just feels like when people die, it's over and then they're gone as opposed to watching these fish really felt like dying and their death was not at all the end. And in fact, it was the beginning of many things 
And it felt like a generous and a beautiful gift. Like they laid down their bodies to be a part of something much bigger than themselves, like much bigger than the individual. And, you know, I think it's a good reminder that that's true for us as well, even though it might not always feel that way. You know, I was surprised to see how much tenderness I felt towards the salmon and the river and the whole context of them as part of this much larger process. They're part of a cycle. They're connected to the web of life. And I felt this, yeah, tenderness and also this urge to protect them and protect the water and protect the watershed and protect the trees and the eagles, which is an interesting impulse in the face of, you know, my experiences with death and dying when I feel like there's more often a sense of like fear or repulsion or pushing away. I know like a dying salmon doesn't really smell great or look beautiful, but at the same time it wasn't, it didn't feel gross or ugly. It just felt like that's what's happening. It's a part of things. So it really brought up questions for me about the way we respond to and think about when people are dying. It makes me wonder what it would look like if in the face of that process, there were a great tenderness and a great warmth and a gratitude and a groundedness or even like joy and appreciation. And I know that those things do come up for people, but it feels like so much more there's like resistance or denial or fear as opposed to something really beautiful to witness and be a part of. And I, you know, I want to say all of that with a big asterisk because I know that there are many deaths that aren't easy to accept that are that feel outside of the natural order of things. So for example, losing a child or the loss to a preventative illness or a loss in the hands of a brutal and racist police system. So I want to name that and honor that. It's easy to wax poetic about death and dying when it's thinking about someone who's lived a long life. But I do still think it's important to bring up this question um, into the way that we in general respond and react to the concept of death and dying. Is there more room or is there deeper opportunity for us to reframe and recenter our approach to what what death means for ourselves and our loved ones and our communities and our ecosystems? And I highly encourage anyone who has the opportunity to go see some spawning salmon, just to take some time, go sit by a river and watch this incredible phenomenon that, at least here in the Pacific Northwest, is a deeply rooted part of the history and the culture of what makes this place. It feels like such an important thing to witness and respect and pay homage to. And I mentioned this before at the beginning of the podcast, but I just want to acknowledge again that this is a process that has taken place for thousands of years before settlers and colonizers have come, and that indigenous people did and still do have a really rich and vibrant relationship to salmon and ecosystem and these processes. And so um, really want to honor and acknowledge their wisdom and their practices, because that is something that I feel like has been stolen and lost um, and ignored. So, but yeah, it is a beautiful and wonderful natural process to witness. And I'm really grateful I had the moment to go do that. Okay, I'm going to sign off. If you listen to this, definitely would love your feedback or thoughts about some of my critiques and some of my conversations that I've had. You know, I I know that this is just me sharing my thoughts, but I would love for this to be um, a bigger conversation. So I invite and would love any thoughts or feedback or reactions. And then one last thing I want to say is that 
So my dad died on October 23rd, 2011. And now it, um, that was almost exactly 10 years ago. So um, pretty wild that 10 years have passed and so much has happened in that time. And I just kind of want to name that in this, in this project, which um, feels important because he really precipitated a lot of this conversation and a lot of my interest in these topics. Like he, he kind of planted the seeds um, for this. And, you know, I think that's, a, you know, to potentially be a little bit cheesy. Um, it's kind of like the salmon, right? Like his death ended up like nourishing and creating the grounds, the fertile grounds for me to, to learn and explore in this field. So, and it precipitated a lot of my own growth and change and expansion and curiosity. So yeah, I'm grateful, grateful for my dad. Um, and, uh, yeah, I appreciate all of you being on this journey with me and engaging in some of these, these ideas as we enter into this autumn season and it's holidays are coming and the leaves are falling and the plants are dying and the hibernation of animals and things are kind of falling away we're entering into a an annual cycle of a season of kind of a darker introspective quieter time so all that being said however you celebrate halloween or all saints day or so i hope you stay safe and cozy and connected to your loved ones living or dead just want to say one more thing, which is that I am not an expert. I'm not here to tell people how to grieve or heal or what death is or isn't. My main goal with this project is simply to create space for us to share our stories about death and dying. And from that collective experience, enable all of us to feel less alone in facing the challenges of grief and loss. Thank you for listening, for being brave and vulnerable and for your time. Any questions or comments, please get in touch with me. I'd love to hear from you and perhaps share your story too.